Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. The will of God can be a scary thing for us. It makes us face the unsurrendered places in our hearts. On today's program, we're going to look at how God's will for us is good, and His desire for us is to have joy in it. Here is part one of Cheryl's message titled, The Will of the Lord is Good. What I want to talk about is how the will of the Lord is good. And I want to talk about why we don't surrender, okay? Because we all have these unsurrendered places. Isn't that true? Where we kind of think like, God, you could have all this, but I think I could do a better job with this. And I was thinking like, Cheryl, or I felt the Spirit say to me, Cheryl, what part of your whole anatomy do you think you can do a better job with? I mean, can you imagine if I, I stress out anymore. I can't imagine what it would be like to be in charge of pumping my heart. Sometimes when I become overly aware of my breathing, I don't know if you do this, it stresses me out. Like, oh, it's going through my nose now. I mean, do I make it go through my mouth? Whenever I get a cold and I can't breathe through my nose, I'm like, totally, nobody knows this. I'm having like, like a nervous breakdown. Like, I don't like this. I want my nose back. And I become so overly conscious of my breathing. That's why I can't do yoga because you're, you know, just become conscious of your breath. It's like, no, I can't. I got to keep that in God's hands because, you know, I take it over, I die. But, you know, what area do you think that you can do better than God? But, you know, our unsurrendered places are because of one thing we do not realize how good, how glorious how great the will of God is for you individually and where he's taking us in the will of God. So, as you know, I have been a Christian for most of my life. I mean, I remember, you know, one of my first prayers was the sinner's prayer. And I remember, like, being unsure at three if I had done it right. You know, did I do that right? Did I leave out a word? I better do it again. And, you know, growing up in Sunday school, at the end of every class, they would always say, is there anyone here who wants to receive Jesus? Well, every time you receive Jesus, you got a free Bible. That's how it used to be. So I had like 30 Bibles. And my mom went to the Sunday school teacher and said, you know, please don't give Cheryl any more Bibles. She doesn't need any more Bibles. You know, Jesus lives in her heart. My mom would be like, Cheryl, you have Jesus in your heart. I'm three. I'm like, do I? Okay, but you know, they're giving out Bibles. But as I grew into a teenager, I came into this new struggle. And I've seen this struggle, you know, raising kids who know Jesus. I've seen this struggle in them. And this is the struggle It is about the will of God. And I've got to say that as a teenager and as a young college student, 
I was scared to death of the will of God. The idea of giving everything to Jesus absolutely terrified me. Now, I would sing, I surrender all, because that was the song at the moment. But I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it, and I I couldn't sing it with all of my heart. Even as Satan lied to Eve in the garden in Genesis 3, verses 4 through 5, saying, and the servant serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, Satan was saying to Eve, God does not want your best. God is not interested in your fulfillment, in satisfying your taste. And we get this idea in our head that he's only interested in our needs, but not in the things that will bless and bring us joy. Where do we get ideas like that? And yet I know that Satan lied to me and he whispered to me that God did not have my personal interest at heart. He told me that God wanted me to suffer. Refiner's fire. You know, I cannot sing that honestly, because that is not my heart's one desire. You know, a chocolate brownie, yes. The refiner's fire, no. And I don't think I could ever pray for the refiner's fire. I don't think that's ever been a desire of my heart. Never. But we get this idea that God wants us to suffer. Satan lied to me and told me that God would and wanted to deny me what I most wanted. You want that? We think that when we ask God for bread, he's going to give us a rock. Because you know, it's better for you. You only think you need bread. Take a rock. Or that if we ask for an egg, it's going to be a serpent. Jesus said, that is not God. And that is not how God works. And that is not what God does. He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more the Heavenly Father will give good gifts to those who ask? On Christmas Day, do you like to give really bad presents to your children? Is that your delight? Like, open that up. (laughs) Hope you like coal. You know, we don't do that. We're so excited about the gift that we're giving our children. I've told you this story, but I'm going to tell you it again because I repeat myself because I'm getting old and I'm allowed to. I run, one time told dad, there was a woman who used to, every time I would repeat a story in Vista, she'd go, meaning I told it nine times, you know? And I was telling that to my dad. My dad goes, are you kidding? I always repeat my stories. 
they like my stories. And I was thinking, yeah, I like your stories too. And sometimes you, when my dad was preaching, you're like, oh, it's going to be this story, right? You know, or like, I love it when Chuck tells this story. Well, okay, get used to it. I repeat too. As my father, so shall I be. But one year at Christmas time, my daughter kept asking for a fur coat. Like, I want a fur coat. And like, I could afford that. You know, and I was definitely not going to go get an animal and kill it for her. So she kept asking for this fur coat. And so I happened to be at Ross with my oldest daughter. And there on the clearance rack was the ugliest fake fur coat I'd ever seen in my life. It looked like a dead bear with crystal buttons. I mean, it was seriously ugly. And it was $10. And my oldest daughter is like, you have to. You have to, Mom. You have to buy this. I'm like, you buy it for her. And he goes, she goes, no, I don't have $10. And you buy it. You know, as her mother, you have to buy it. So I bought it. And I put it in a beautiful, beautiful Bloomingdale's box. And I wrapped it with tissue paper. Just gorgeous, right? And then I wrapped it in my best Christmas wrap and put the most gorgeous bow on it. Now, she had also wanted a pair of boots, and I bought her the pair of boots, and I wrapped them in my ugliest wrapping paper. Ugliest, right? The, you know, the stuff like with Snoopy on it that's like three years old that you got at the 99 cent store, and just one of those stick bows that had kind of been crushed already. And that was that present, and I, I kind of put it behind. So everyone's unwrapping their presents, and I don't know about you, but at Christmas time, when it comes to present unwrapping, it is pure mayhem and flying paper. And it, you're trying to see through the maze if anyone's opened the gift that you've given them yet. And all of a sudden, through the mayhem, I hear Brian say, Cheryl, do you have a receipt for this? And I look over and Kelsey's like, it's so ugly. I can't believe she did this. In the meantime, my daughter gave her this um, picture frame with all these beautiful sequins and, you know, um, crystals in it. it was beautiful and it had two two minks and they were saying please don't kill our mother it was really cute and it was framed in this beautiful frame but that gift was not a bad gift because she could use the frame but my gift and she's like daddy daddy look what mom did and he's like Cheryl where's the receipt and I'm trying to look at everybody else my grandkids opening their presents I'm like Brian I don't know what I do with my receipt but I realized I forgot to bring Brian in on the joke and I didn't want to say that's really a joke present because I knew the, the real good present was coming. And so I, I just said, Brian, have her open the other present. He goes, you mean the one with the crush bow? You know, <laughs> Brian has nothing to do with buying the presents at Christmas. But he takes credit at Christmas time, on Christmas Day. Do you like it? It's like, where were you? <laughs> you know you hate the malls. You know you won't go to the places I go for presents. But yet, do you like it? And then he looks at me like, we did it, honey. We brought it down. And nevertheless, when the present's bad, Cheryl, what have you done to my baby girl? So I said, oh my goodness, have her open that one. He's looking at it like this one. And I actually used a box that somebody had sat on. And, you know, it was, she, she opens it up and everything's all right because it's, it's the boots she wanted. It's wonderful. 
I'm back in good graces with my husband and family. But you know, an ugly jacket like that is too good to waste. It must be recycled. And that's why God created white elephant parties, especially at Christmas time. So we invited all these people over. I rewrapped it. It was the biggest present there. And we were about to open presents, and my nine-year-old grandson says, I love this game. So he picked that present, and he put it on his lap and because it was the biggest, and I'd rewrapped it. And he just had all this anticipation, and I began to cry. And Brian looked at me and said, what's going on? And it, I wasn't sure if it was laughter or crying, but it was kind of like, and Brian's like, you didn't. Because he, he knew. I did. I, I did. He goes, oh, no. I'm like, I know. Oh, no. So then, you know, because we had a lot of adults, they're all looking at Brian and I. And Brian starts just like, and he's laughing. And he's kind of like, oh, no, my poor grandson. And everyone's, you know, doing that and stealing things. And he's just holding on like, nobody's getting this one. This is all mine. And then it comes to his time. By this time, everyone's kind of in on it. And they're like, what? What? Because they can sense something because Brian and I don't usually look like that. And he unwraps it. And he takes the lid off. And he goes, ah! But some of us feel that way about the will of God. Like he gave me this gift and in it, there's a dead bear with crystal buttons just waiting for me to be disappointed. You know, but he wrapped it so good. But when I open this box, oh no, what is it going to be? Satan lies and tells us that God does not care about our deepest desires. And yet, in the word of God, we're told that he delights to give good gifts to those who love him. A struggle ensued with with my will and God's will. And I was constantly choosing my will above what I felt was God's will. Now, I gave some areas over to the Lord, but not all the areas of my life. They were secret areas. They were areas that nobody could see. But the, they were areas that I kept under my own lordship, under my own jurisdiction. There was no great rebellion or disobedience. Nothing, as I said, that anyone could see. It was so minute. And yet I knew it was there in my heart. I knew it. I shopped. I ate. I dated And I had fun, in my own opinion, all apart from the will of God. You know, I thought God was against me having brownies. God didn't like me having Rice Krispie squares. That God would put me on a vegetable-only diet for the rest of my life. And that I could only, you know... I, I wasn't allowed to date, that that was evil. You know, I had gotten so mixed up. I believed the lies of Satan so badly. I did for myself what I felt God would not do or didn't want to do for me. 
I tried to be a self-blesser. A self-blesser. Like, God, I really want to watch Mary Poppins, but I know you're probably not into it. So um, I'll meet you after the theater, what, church, seven o'clock? We'll see each other then. I, I just was compartmentalizing my whole life. And you know what? It was all because I did not know how good, how thoroughly good and fun and delightful the will of God was and is. So frustration marked my life. My spiritual progress was limited. I was always insecure and in turmoil and fear until one day, I was absolutely so frustrated with my own ways and my self-blessing was not working out. I gave everything to Jesus. I gave everything. I still remember where it was, when it was. It was at Twin Peaks. It was after a Bible study. It was at a college and career retreat. And when I gave Jesus everything, it wasn't like, I give you everything. For me, it was like, I give you everything. Please don't hurt me. Please be gentle. I give you everything. It was like that. It wasn't pleasant. And you know why? Because if I knew then what I know now, I would have been dancing. I would have had my arms raised going, I'll give you everything. But I cowered. I just was like, okay, go ahead. Take it. I was so ready for something terrible to come down on me. I, I, was, I remember at the time, you know, right after I, I, I gave God everything, this woman came up to me and said, God says that he's crowned you with a crown. She didn't even know what the transaction had just been. She's like, can I talk to you? And I'm like, Sure. And she's like, God saw your prayer. And he said, a crown of love is coming down on your head that will radiate. And I had a vision of you. And she gives me this vision. And she said, and God is going to give you the desires of your heart. And I was like, really? So I started trying to say every spiritual desire I had. And she's like, no, that's not what God says. She said, listen to me, before next summer, you're going to be married. And I was like, there's not even a boyfriend in sight. And the guy next to me, who was not good looking, no offense, I hope he doesn't remember this or hear this, he says to me, it's not me, it's not me. And I looked at him and I thought, if I can't even get that, what am I going to be married to? Having no idea that that December, I would meet the man of my dreams. When I first met Brian, another girl came up and took his hand. I was so disappointed because we were having a good conversation and he was cute. She came up, she took his hands and she started like glaring at me. I was scared. And a couple weeks later he said, that was not my girlfriend. I just invited her to the study and she thought it was a date, but I made it clear it wasn't. And he kept trying to let go of her hand and I thought they were playing hand games. I'm like, great. You know, all the cute ones are taken. You know what they say, excuse this, but in England, there's a saying that 
Dating is like a car lot. All the best spaces are taken and what's left are handicapped. Sorry. It's going to take a little while, but you'll get it. So, you know, this. And I, I remember, you know, when he first asked me out, he said, that girl was not my girlfriend. But I had said to the girls in the car, my girlfriends, I said, that's the guy, that's the type of guy I want to marry. I've met the only guy I've ever talked to that I thought I could be married to. And he's taken. So I am still the president of the Bachelorettes Tell the Rapture Club. Nobody else would join, but nevertheless, I was president. I had no idea of how good the will of the Lord was. I was terrified of what the ramifications of giving God everything. Where would he send me? Who would I marry? And what would I be required to do? But when I gave God everything, that moment God met me, as I said, with that prophetic word. And slowly, progressively, I began to realize that I had been lied to, that I had been deceived, that the will of God is good, so, so good. In Mark 1, 40 through 42, at the very beginning of Mark's gospel, when, it, when we're told that Jesus went forth with the good news, we have the account of the leper who comes to Jesus covered with leprosy and says, if you are willing, if it's in your will to make me clean, you can do it. It's all about your will. And this is the answer of Jesus. I am willing. Be clean. Here is the will of the Lord. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. The will of Jesus is to cleanse, make whole, reconcile, and bless. That's good. And you can't get any better than that. I tell you this because I know that even as Satan lied to Eve and Satan lied to me, he still lies. And, and he's lied to some of you. And you've fallen for it. On the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, Jesus spoke to those who were listening because they were under the impression that the will of God was burdensome, was the keeping of the law, which was doing the rituals, which was the regulations and the sacrifices and bloody and violent and oppressive. Jesus knew how Satan had lied, deceived, and influenced the children of Israel and those he was speaking to. And so he told them in Matthew chapter 6 that God's will was to feed them bountifully and clothe them beautifully. And he said, your father, your heavenly father knows what you have need of. And he delights to give you those things. Your heavenly father knows and it is in his will 
to give you what you need emotionally, mentally, physically, and socially. Your God knows. And God's will, God's will as the great I am, is to meet and even exceed those needs and bless because of what Jesus has done. God's will for us is good, but we distance ourselves from it because of fear and lies we believe. Satan wants us to believe that God's will for us is not good and that he doesn't care about us or our deepest desires. Satan is a liar. God's word tells us that he is our heavenly father and knows all our needs and delights to give us those things. It is his will to take care of us in every way. God knows, cares, and wants the best for us. So think about those things that you're struggling with today. Give them to God and allow him to show you the goodness of his will for you. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look further at the goodness of God's will as we continue our series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.